Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks such as tasty, sticky, sweet, delicious honey. As always, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and with us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. I don't think I've ever seen anybody eating honey in a theater. No, that would be like just like by the by the pawful. Yeah, that'd be a little weird. Or even they by, used to with have a those spoon. Little, they used to have those little honey sticks. You remember those? I do as remember a kid? those. Yeah, you could eat one of those. Those in are there. delicious. But if you saw somebody with a legit like mason jar of of honey in the theater with a spoon or no spoon, it would be upsetting. I feel. Um, David, how you doing? I am doing. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm a little tired. I, I likewise. Had an early morning, late screening of Winnie the well, sorry, Christopher Robin. Christopher Robin. Robin. Late screening of say, the I always want to say Winnie the Pooh. Of the thrilling, heart racing, pulse pounding Christopher Robin. It is edge of the seat action. We are not young men anymore, David. Don't that's not the excuse. I'm not I'm not accepting that. Even young David would have struggled at that time. <laughs> At, at that time of the night with this movie. <laughs> All right. Well, that I mean, that's I mean, right into it. We're talking Christopher Robin, and and it's no coincidence that we're talking about getting a little bit older, uh, or at least I am. Um, despite the fact that David's not using that excuse, we saw Christopher Robin. We we saw the 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 latest in a long line of Disney films that are adapting its animated properties into live action films and david before we get into the film itself which this is going to be a weird episode because most of our episodes we've at least one of us enjoys the film pretty thoroughly Mm -hmm. this is probably one of the few where you and i came out pretty freaking cold in regards to this film but before we get into that i kind of wanted to talk about I mean, this could be a very short segment, but I kind of wanted to talk about our history with the character of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and Eeyore and Piglet and and all those, what I perceive to be imaginary characters beforehand. Sure. I, I didn't really have a big, I, I do have some history with Winnie the Pooh, which I'm happy to disclose, but you didn't have anything. No, right? I mean, as I think back of it, I think of... I think of Tigger and Eeyore were the only real memorable people to me. Funny enough, I never really cared about Winnie the Pooh, Christopher Robin. The rabbit always annoyed me a little bit. Right. Um, it's kind of a know-it-all, kind of a prick. Yeah. <laughs> Piglet was always cute. Sure. Um, and then you had Rue. Mm-hmm. I, you know, honestly, I never really got into it a whole lot. Um, it always seemed, and I feel like my memories of it, whenever I remember it, it always seemed like, that's for kids younger than me. Um, yeah, but I know at one point I was that young when that when Winnie and the Pooh and that were out. It's not like we predate Winnie the Pooh. For sure. Well, I think I think we kind of post dated just a little bit because um, when we were growing up, like we grew up on like Nicktoons. At least I did. I grew up on Rugrats and 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 things like that. Like those are the th- things that I remember from my childhood. Winnie the Pooh wasn't, or the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh. I was a Nickelodeon kid growing up. I was, oddly enough, wasn't really a Disney kid growing up, despite the fact that I love Disney. 
I will tell you, and this is going to be a, a blast from the past, especially for our other good movie buddy, my sister, Leah Theodosis. I remember very vividly an old Betamax tape that was like, be too smart for strangers with Winnie the Pooh. Do you do you remember such a tape? Were you ever? I do not remember were, such. A you tape. were not privy to this. So this was a tape where um, every uh, Winnie the Pooh character was played by somebody in costume, horrifying, horrifying costume, and it was um, basically a PSA, one of those PSA, you know, videos where. You would have kids talking to Winnie the Pooh, and then they would like do a flashback into a scene where um, it's like, look at this scenario. And it's like two kids and a guy pulls up in his convertible and he's like, hey, kids, can you help me look for my puppy? And then they freeze frame and they go back to this fucking terrifying Winnie the Pooh. And it's like, what would you have done? That shit is burned into my brain. And 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 you can look it up. We, we pulled some. I pulled some images up so David could check it out. You can pull it up. It is harrowing. I feel like I remember it, at a minimum these costumes. Yeah. So that was my kind of. That was the extent of my history with the character of Winnie the Pooh. So when this when the initial trailer came out, you know I. I don't know why. I think it was less because it was Winnie the Pooh and more it was because like the nostalgia factor of these like innocent childhood characters interacting with an adult version of their friend, like that kind of thing. Cause when I watched those trailers, I was like, Oh, I'm going to cry in this movie. Full stop. No questions asked. Um, despite the fact that I didn't really have a history to it. Um, and so that kind of, I mean, I mean, we might as well talk about the film. Um, and Christopher Robin, that's essentially what it is, you know, adult Christopher, and we won't get into spoilers yet. Um, although I do have many things to say in regards to spoilers, but it's a matter of adult Christopher Robin growing up, um, kind of becoming an asshole, I guess. Uh, and then needing to get back in touch or, or with the help of his friends, get back in touch with his, his imaginative side, his playful side, um, Things like that, you know, it, it falls in a long tradition of workaholic dad films, you know, and that's one problem that I have with it. Um, but it's Christopher Robin grew up. He works. It's like Hook. I mean, it's fucking Hook. Sure. Very close to Hook. Click. Liar, liar. Like all of these films. It's a trope. All of these films do it. Um, it is 100 percent a movie that is going to make make you cry. At least it made me cry. I don't know about you. You were saying you would you would have liked to set up like a GoPro in the theater. I did. To watch my emotions. But it didn't seem that it it I was expecting more granted I'm not a crier in movies and that's not me trying you to You have very few emotions in general. That's not me trying to be all masculine. I just can't think of many movies that have made me it's cry. Canadian machine. I guess. That's why um, you are who you are. I guess. But it the trailer to me triggered seemed more emotional than what I and what I I was the same as you. I felt like, all right, this is gonna be a really sappy, like sure. nostalgic, you know, tearjerker movie for people. Right. And and maybe it was just and we'll talk about it more, kind of my overall feel for the movie, but like <laughs> I just didn't feel like like I feel like there's some easy ways you can set it up to like garner those emotions and especially with the story that they had 
And I feel like they didn't really go there as much. Like there wasn't a lot of scenes where I'm like, how do you not cry in that scene? Sure. Um, there just wasn't as many as I expected to have in this film. I feel like I cried at least three times. Um, really? I, f- I feel I rolled a tear. Let's put it this way. I rolled a tear. Um, there were a couple times where I, was, I had to I had to wipe. There's some I to, dust in the I theater. had to wipe the condensation that was building, okay. building along my eyes. Um, the beginning. Uh, this is not a spoiler alert, but the Winnie the Pooh books end. The original Winnie the Pooh book ends with Christopher Robin saying goodbye to his friends because he's yeah. going off to school. That's how this movie starts. Sure. Understandably, it's about the adult Christopher Robin. And that's just fucking sad. Like having to grow up saying goodbye to your friends. Like and and we'll get into it a little bit more, but the character of Winnie the Pooh is just such like this this beacon of innocence. Like all all there is is playing and having fun and being there for, for your friends. Sure. And to have to say goodbye to that is fucking sad. Um, oh, I'm gonna swear a lot in this episode, full disclosure. Oddly enough, Christopher Robin. It's gonna bring out the some stuff in me. PG movie, or is it G? I, I don't even know. Remember. It's got to be PG. The PG movie will garner a rated R review yes. from from Rick. It will. It's got to be PG. I don't know. It doesn't say exactly, but um, we'll find it out. We'll find it out. Um, and so that did a lot for me. Um, when Winnie the Pooh asks, "Did you let me go?" That got me. Like, oh, you mothers. Like, that got me bad. Um, and then, I guess sort of the... I guess really those were the two big moments. And I think I probably dusted up a few other times. Um, but those were the two really, really big moments uh, of the film. Um, I do have a question about this movie, though, David. And okay. I'm wondering if you can answer this for me. I will try. Who is this movie made for? Is this Who is the audience for this movie? I personally feel like it's actually more of a movie for adults, even though it's a PG movie, which I confirmed, um, than it is for kids. There's not a lot of playfulness to this film. There's a little bit, but there's not a ton. Um, I feel like this is more playing the nostalgia card um, and catering towards the generation that grew up on Winnie the Pooh. I don't know a lot of young kids these days, and I have two now. (laughs) Yeah. that Winnie the Pooh's on their radar, even with cousins that have grown up around me. Like, I don't know of anybody like actively really into Winnie the Pooh anymore. So it seems like given that there's not like a current market as much to Winnie the Pooh and, and there might be, we don't watch listeners. You are welcome to correct us. Yeah. We don't watch Disney kids or whatever. Exactly. But I don't, uh, I don't know of Winnie the Pooh really being in the forefront. I go down toy aisles. I don't see a bunch of Winnie the Pooh, uh, sure. toys. Sure. So with that being said, it seems like maybe they're targeting this film more at the adults and, and it would make more sense with the, the story that they tell throughout this film. So that you, you're probably, that's probably close to the right answer. Um, this movie is, I found the great majority of this movie to be gloomy, really, really gloomy and really joyless. Um, specifically it's a it's an hour and 44 minutes. So it's 104 minutes long. And I found, and I literally, one of the, this is one of the few movies where I looked down at my watch to check where we were at. Um, and I think it was about 75, 70, 75 minutes in when things finally started picking up. And 
that's unacceptable for a movie. Like this whole movie is about bringing back the joy that you lost. And it takes entirely too long to bring the joy into the movie. Yeah. You know, if you think about, you know, your clicks or your hooks or whatever, it starts with a few instances of, um, uh, of, of examples of how the main character, all the main characters become a cynic and he's become an asshole and whatever. But then there's an inciting incident, whether it be Pan's kids getting taken or whether it be Adam Sandler finding the remote control or Jim Carrey finding out he can't tell a lie. That leads to madcap adventures sure. where they slowly grow over time. And it feels like this, the inciting incident where Christopher Robin runs into run in, runs into Pooh again. Uh-huh. It's just more of Christopher Robin being kind of a, I mean, kind of an asshole to well, Pooh. I think I, I look at it two ways. One, this movie feels like a sequel to me um, because it seems to. And it kind of is. Yeah. It seems to very much take into the account that everybody in this theater knows Winnie the Pooh and his friends. Um, right. Which is fine. Like I said, that's why I think it's catered more towards adults sure. from the standpoint of. They're assuming you know the Winnie the Pooh story ahead of time. Um, but then I also think um, with it, – it'd be I don't need necessarily the fun to kick off earlier in the film. Just there needed to be more fun all around Spread in this out. film. Like yeah. if you're not – if you're going to wait that long for like – the ending that we get and the kind of bringing that it's back kind of a madcap finale. Then, then you need to have more of it in the front, you know, more back to his history and things like that for exactly. it to feel like, because it, it is, it drags on in the beginning. It really is. I mean, listen, anybody who's watched Winnie the Pooh and, and maybe I'm the only one that believes this, but to <laughs> me, Winnie the Pooh in general, any cartoon, any whatever, it's just slow moving. You like found them to be, well, Winnie the Pooh is a character. Is, is slow moving. It's just like is and basically this move, this move. This movie moves at the pace of Winnie the Pooh or Honey, whichever you want to go with, whichever metaphor. Um, but because it's dreary for the beginning part of it, right? With how slow the movie moves as a whole, right? It just makes it seem even it amplifies it. It only amplifies it. It'd be one thing if it was gloomy in the beginning, but it was full of action. And I'm not asking for like explosions and things like that. Although which we get we get an explosion in this film, but at least have it like something quicker move. Like yeah, yeah. And, and maybe I'm just the, the new generation of movie watcher that I need to be entertained a little bit more. But man, I mean. This movie is one of the slowest moving movies I can recollect. Well, I've heard it compared to Terrence Malick. And listen, all due respect to Terrence Malick and the people who love him, that guy makes really slow, introspective movies. And I would say a lot of the middle part of this movie feels very much like a Terrence Malick movie where it's literally just Ewan McGregor and Pooh wandering around a gloomy ass, misty forest, like talking about in riddles about like what's important in life. Like you should have fun and is work more important Did the briefcase of important things and stuff like that. And it's just plotting. And you know, it's funny because I actually found myself actively getting sort of frustrated by this movie, which we always, I mean, we've had conversations on this very podcast about people who get mad at movies because they are not what they expected. Right. Yes. And that was not and I think it's important to mention that that is not why I was 
upset by this film. It, it wasn't because I, it didn't meet some expectations or, or something like that. I got upset with this film because it it's there are moments that are very archaic in this storytelling. Like, you know, it, it portrays Christopher Robin as like this prick absentee father who bails on a family vacation to work for the weekend. When in reality, like he told his boss, like I, I need to, I, I have plans with my family. I don't want to work for the weekend. And his boss is like, we need to cut 25%. So Christopher Robin takes it upon himself like we're going to work the weekend to work and see like, how can we drop this 25%, you know? And that's not Christopher Robin actively saying like work is more important. That's a professional being handed a raw deal. And I have a big problem with this movie pointing out like, you know, like uh, if you're, if you're a working father, you're a terrible person. Or if you want to send your kid to a good school, you're a terrible person. Or if you don't, you know, play, if you, if you value work over imagination, then you're a terrible person. And you know me, man, I'm, I'm one of the guys who loves, and I think is still very much in touch with my childhood and the things that I liked when I was a kid, but it just came off as really disingenuous to me. Um, without getting into spoilers, obviously we can get really, really more into spoilers. There are things that like, you know, literally Ewan McGregor, Chris, the older Christopher Robin spends half of the film, like berating poo and like, you know, be quiet and stop being this. I have work to do, which is, which is funny because while the message came off as dis disingenuous to me, it really pissed me off to see Christopher Robin treat a living, like an actual talking bear, essentially a, a a a being that has all the loyalty and friendship of a dog like think of your think of your dog think of ted think of of bauer right mm -hmm. and how loyal they are and how happy they are to see you every time now imagine bauer could talk right and then imagine that you just bailed on him for 30 years and then you come back and then all you can tell him is to you know, shut up. Like you don't understand. Like this is important. Like Christopher Robin treats Winnie the Pooh like shit for 60 minutes. And it's not fun. Like there's nothing fun about it. Well, and I think that's one of the, the tough parts of this film is that you have Pooh and, and friends without going through all of them <laughs> really being positioned as like real people Whereas real things, real, real beings, real beings. Whereas I feel like, obviously, in the books and everything that we've come to know of Winnie the Pooh, they were more things of his imagination. Yeah, um, they were metaphorical. They were metaphorical. He drew about them. There was all those types of things. Like, um, it always felt like that was where he went in his daydreams right. and what he, you know, when you pretend as a kid and play as a kid. Sure. Like that seemed to where he went. Sure. And this film. They were very much real. Like Makes you. great strides for these these characters to interact with other living characters. Yeah. So they they make they take it out of that imagination, but then for Christopher Robin, for Ewan McGregor's character, he more treats them like they're just figments of his imagination, or even they're toys. Like right. if we go to Toy Story, like he treats them like Andy would treat like Buzz and, and Woody 30 years down the line yeah, maybe. when he sees them, you know, from that standpoint of where it's like, 
yes, I have all these fond memories of you, but like I've grown out of you. Like sure. if you were to find like some old action figure of yours, like it's not like you'd immediately go and throw it in the trash, but it's not like you're going to sit down and start playing with it. I don't know. I might. You know, I no. got an old teddy bear. I swear to God, an old teddy bear named Teddy. I think my parents still have him in storage somewhere. Sure. He's in, the, he's in the deep sleep. And again, it's not it's that reminded me of that. Sure. And again, it's not that you're going to go and throw him out all of a sudden. But at the same time, you're not going to be like, hey, mom and dad, can you bring me over my teddy bear? I want to sleep with Teddy tonight. I do. Bring him over. Like, so I think that's the, the hard balance is you're going to position these poo and friends as real beings but then you're going to treat them almost like an old toy that you no longer want to play with. Exactly. And so everybody in the theater, everybody watching this film is like you're being an a-hole to like the equivalent, whether you want to call it a puppy, like a little kid, whatever Just you like want to say. Just like a friend. Like a friend that all he wants to do is love you and play with you. That's all he wants to do. He's missed you for thir- – you abandoned them. And that's the other thing. And that's this is what makes – the character of Christopher Robin as an adult, even more of an asshole is that it's not just that he stopped playing and stopped imagining and dreaming these characters. They're real things. So he literally abandoned them for 20 years or 30 years. Well, and I don't know that I took that he abandoned. I think it was out of his control. Obviously his parents sent him off to school. And in this case, because it was literal, it's not like he could just get back to that tree and go into that tree and go into the, thousand is it thousand or hundred hundred acre wood um it's not like he could just go back in there so he was taken away from that so i don't i don't necessarily i didn't necessarily take that as much on christopher robin um as much as as much as circumstances took him away from it and then when he was reunited you know he didn't have the reaction that we would all expect from that sure i guess it depends on how their boarding school works because i assume like he'd have summer vacation and would be come back home. I don't know. We've never been to boarding school. I've never school, been to boarding so. school. Thank God. Um, so, again, I found this film to be really just joyless up until about the last 25, 30 minutes. Um, I really enjoyed some of, like, I really enjoyed some of the, the, the I don't know what to call them, the animated characters, I guess. Um, Winnie the Pooh less so. Eeyore cracked me up quite a few times. Yeah. Um, Tigger, excellent, as usual. Uh, Piglet, whiny little bitch, as usual. Mm-hmm. Like Pooh was was great, and you know, and and Pooh really elicited a lot of sympathy from me. But up until literally the last five minutes of the film, I would not call this film heartwarming. No, like in the slightest. And even then, like the resolution of the main conflicts of the film don't feel very profound, and they don't feel earned, and they don't feel. Um, I just, they just didn't land to me, uh, which kind of drives me crazy a little bit. Um, well, so I mean, I think it's pretty evident at this point what we thought of the film. Yeah. Um, what's your popcorn rating though for it? This is one of, I think since doing this podcast, as always, you know, we go over the popcorn ratings for the film. We have five different popcorn ratings. We have burnt popcorn, which is avoid at all costs. We have stale popcorn, which means it's probably good to rent or stream at some point in time. We have uh, we have the uh, microwave popcorn, which is 
you know, you could you could wait. You could go see it in the movie theater. You could go see the dollar theater. Like, it, it, it's fine. We have the movie theater popcorn, which is you should probably see it on the big screen. And then we have perfect popcorn, which is to go see it immediately as soon as possible. And I think this is probably the first stale popcorn that I'm giving since we started this popcorn rating system. I'm giving it two popcorns because... This isn't a movie that I feel like you need to go out and see immediately. This isn't a movie that I feel like you need to go out and purchase. You certainly don't need to see it on the big screen, um, especially if you're going to cry at it. Like, you might as well cry in the comfort of your own home. Uh, I did. I just found it really, really joyless. And and the moments of joy and happiness were just not enough to bring it up out of out of that. So that's what I give it. I give it stale popcorn, two popcorns. For me, I think... I mean, the only reason I could see someone needing to see this is if you're just like a diehard Winnie the Pooh fan. Like, sure. You, I, I mean, don't, there's I a don't... lot of reasons to see it. You and McGregor fans, Winnie the Pooh fans. There are some people who buy into this, who buy into the whole, you know, childhood. Sure. You, you know, you never grow up, Peter Pan complex, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, and as I was looking on Twitter today. A lot of people really found this film heartwarming, and I and I don't mean to discount that. I would never, ever, ever tell them that they're wrong. Um, I think if you f- if you find this film heartwarming, that's fantastic. Well, and that's why I said I think people who are huge Winnie the Pooh fans will will enjoy this film because I think one of the things that you and I both had working against this film was that the sight of Winnie the Pooh showing up on the big screen doesn't really do anything for me. Like, doesn't elicit, like, excitement. Like, you think of, you know, other movies that you... Like, when Toy Story 4, you know... Right. I'll get get pumped. Doesn't matter how old I am when it finally comes out. Like, there will be nostalgia and joy that comes from seeing those characters on the screen again. If you're that way with Winnie the Pooh, then this... You'll enjoy this film. I don't think think you'll walk away being like, oh my gosh, I love that film. But I don't think you'll be as disappointed as, as what we were. Sure. So for me, it's, I'll, I'll give it two stars as well, or two popcorns, I should say, stale popcorn for me. Um, like I said, if you're diehard Winnie the Pooh fan, that's about the only reason I could see you needing to go see this in theaters. All right. So two popcorns a piece before we get into, or if you live in Arizona and you need to get out of the heat for an hour <laughs> and 45 minutes, that should be that. Sh- I feel like uh, the Arizona reveal sh- should always add an extra popcorn. Like there's, it's it's like you're defaulted to be at least stale. You could be in 110 heat, so yeah, you're eating popcorn and drinking and it's whatever cool, your drink and it's is. Dark. And, yeah, and, and you're are, in recliner chairs if you go to an AMC or some or Harkins. Harkins. Yeah, yep. so there are we're certainly there are certainly worse ways to spend your summer. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just it came off as a really weird, weird film to me. I wouldn't even. In my opinion, I wouldn't even say, like, take your whole family to see this. I, you know, I just, I don't know. That is what it is. Um, but before we get into spoilers, obviously, I always want to mention that you can subscribe to the Popcorn Diet for free wherever you listen to podcasts on your smart device right now. We're on, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. Do us a favor and subscribe. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Like us. Share us. We want to spread the community of the Popcorn Diet. And then, as always, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And all of our reviews, I wrote a very kind of long and and 
I don't want to call it a meandering review, but I'd certainly got a little bit more heady uh, about this on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com, where you can find all of our latest reviews, articles, and episodes. David, I do want to talk about spoilers. Uh, obviously, this isn't going to be a terribly long episode, um, but I, I bef- again, I, I, we always try. I mean, the whole reason we started this podcast is because we love movies. So coming across a movie that neither of us really either have a lot of emotion for or who, like me, was actively angered by feels weird. Like, it just feels weird to me. Sure. Like, I don't feel like shit talking an entire movie for a podcast, even though I didn't care for it. So I do want to focus on some of the things that I enjoyed. I already mentioned Eeyore's best part. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally, and I don't know if that's just because everything he says is depressing and hilarious, but I did, I don't know if you noticed, I did laugh out loud a yeah. couple of times yeah. at what Eeyore said, particularly when they think that Christopher Robin is a heffalump and he finds the weather vane and walks out and Eeyore's just like, well, now it's got a weapon. Yep. That cracked me up, man. Like <laughs> that, I laughed my ass off with that. Tigger, same thing. Like Tigger's infectious. It's hard not to like Tigger. Sure. Um, I really enjoyed the whole London chase sequence. Once um, the animals met the daughter... I thought the movie really picked up. I thought it it hit another level with Eeyore and then hit finally like a fun level when they met the daughter. Um, And I would be remiss to say like, you know, the ending scene with all of them together when Christopher Robbins got his damn, you know, red sweater vest on. That's that's the heartwarming part. Like I enjoyed that like that. I wish the whole movie was like that. You know, sure. Um, But it was literally like the last three minutes of the film. And I feel like the rest of the film was just this gloomy character study about like, you know, not not letting go of your childhood and don't be a shitty father and things like that. So those are the things that I liked about the film. Did you would you say that your likes are along the same lines? Did you like anything different than I did? Um, I mean, I think. The majority of what you listed, I would I would fall in line with. I mean, I I wouldn't call it fun, but the beginning scene I thought was a a really appropriate way of of starting off the film. Again, sure. I think this could have benefited from a little bit more adventures of of small Christopher Robin to sure. just kind of reestablish like the fun of his childhood. Sure, um, you have like the the lunch whatever you want dessert tea party whatever you want to call yeah, it the farewell 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 shindig, party yeah um for him and, and then you have fun the t- moments then you have the time that is sappy with uh christopher robin and, and Pooh sitting on the the log Fucking talking got about me. the future got me um, it got me so that definitely you know i think hit what i was expecting from the film and at that point of the film I had no issues with it. Sure. Like in that first part, um, then you had the long montage of the of the terror, book. the montage of terror. Well, and that was that was where I get into like obviously an issue with the film. Um, and I know we're talking about fun parts, but you pretty much listed all the fun parts. Now of we the can, film. yeah. Now let's fade um, into how this movie is fucking weird. Well, that's the thing is you go from you know emotional nostalgia little sad christopher to robin say goodbye like sad we to, get it yeah and then Chris, we see everything that christopher robin goes through he goes through getting shipped off to boarding school his, which takes away his friends that we just met yep you get uh um, his dad dies. dad dying uh you get you know he doesn't get a daydream and draw about poo and 
boarding school because yep. strict you teacher put or whatever. Your kid shit away. Yeah, and then you get he has to go off to war. So World War Two. There's a World War Two sequence in this film. But the crazy thing is, is like you get all these things that like depict why Christopher Robin would be the way that he is. Right. Come the time that he is back home and has a family. Yeah. And then they take it to another level and show that he's basically middle management of a company that's seems to be going under. Sure. Um, and he's got to find a way to save money or else everybody's going to lose their job. Like that's a heavy thing to deal with yeah. as a, as a manager. Yeah. And then they go and make you feel like you need to be pissed at Christopher Robin because he doesn't want to play with his kid and can't go out on the weekend and right. doesn't have time for uh, Pooh once he runs into Pooh when he's got all this stuff looming over him. I mean, he's probably got PTSD from World he's, War II. He's and lived a life, man. Like, yeah. I mean, I was genuinely shocked when there was an exploding farmhouse and Christopher Robin screaming, we need reinforcements. And I was just like, who is this fucking movie for? Yeah. What's happening? I think one of the hard parts was that you didn't really feel, and I don't know if it's Ewan McGregor's fault. I don't know if it's the way. I thought he did the, a pretty good job. I don't know if it's the way it was written. Maybe it's because it's British. Um, <laughs> but Maybe. I never felt like Christopher Robin was really sad about anything. And again, maybe that's just the way I interpreted Ewan McGregor's performance. But like, I feel like something that could have helped is like, you see him like wrestling a little bit more. Like I know he goes to bat and you know says, but I'm supposed to go right. away with my family. Right. But like once he gets home, he's pretty stoic with his family. Like he's not like sure. He's more like making excuses. Like you knew this was going to be the case. Like this is my job. Like I'm it trying doesn't... to. Like he's pretty cold to his daughter even about sure. like you need to go to you need to do your schoolwork. Like even when he goes to read the bedtime story like he reads whatever the history An encyclopedia basically basically and it's like nothing really endears you to him of like this guy's got a raw deal like he's grown up because he's had to right like at that point he turns into almost like a version of this very small amount you got to know his dad um sure. who seemed like the strict person yelling at him to get in the car and then right. he's dead and what's funny is that like when you see the life that he lived and and then you get to like like the thing is, is all of the things that he's trying to do are also not terrible things like he's working to give his family a good life. He wants to send his daughter off to boarding school so she can have the best education. And his and listen again, like I'm not advocating for being a workaholic like I 100 percent believe in spending time with your family and 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 having fun and playing. And, you know, me, man, vacation's super important. You ask anybody that I know I'm ready to retire sure. right now. But like it just seemed like everybody was giving him shit because he's working to give his family a better life because he wants to send his kid to a better school. You know, because it just is like, oh, he's he's a working father. He's a piece of shit. Oh, he he wants his daughter to be educated. He's a piece of shit. Like and I just is like, really? Like and especially as a kid watching this, like that feels super manipulative. It feels like for kids, it's manipulative. It's gloomy. And then it feels for adult for adults. It feels like a guilt trip. Like you should feel bad. 
Like, you should feel bad for working. And you, above all people, because you work a ton, you have so many responsibilities, and you have a family and stuff. And it's like, you ch- and you do this. Like, you take time out of seeing your family to come do this podcast. And I'm getting a little real here for a second. <laughs> but I appreciate that. Like, that's a huge deal. I, being a single bachelor, fucking, I don't have anything to give up doing this. And so, like, it, the movie's basically pointing at you and saying, like, you're a piece of shit for taking on that extra responsibility. And I don't feel like that's fair. Well, and I think... I think, and I didn't go to that extreme with it, but uh, <laughs> and I'm and I'm the guy with no kids and no family, so I but, don't know. <laughs> but I think the thing is, is what the struggles with is it doesn't know what it wants to do with Christopher Robin. Like they're trying to keep him as that like innocent, almost you know, ah shucks character from the books of sure. when he's a child, just showing him as grown up and still keeping him slightly innocent, except he's gone through all this stuff and and still trying to make you feel like you care for him. But then they're making him do all these things that seem like they'd be out of character for him to some point. Like, I feel like they needed to go one direction or the other. Like, make him, like, truly the victim in all of this of, like, life's just been crappy to Christopher Robin. Sure. Or go the other direction and be like, Christopher Robin's changed a ton. Right. And is a complete a-hole. Like, have him, like, yelling at the employees and, like, making them all stay late away from their families like turn them into the Grinch type of or, or right. not the Grinch uh, what's his name Scrooge yeah. you know turn them into like that type of character but like and then have like who and that bring him like back like a true ultimate redemption yeah like but you played this middle ground so it's like I don't know whether I'm supposed to be, be bad at Christopher or Robin feel or feel sorry for him and so it, it was just I mean, it kind of a weird middle realm that we we waffled on it, throughout the movie it doesn't help that his family also treats him kind of like shit too like admittedly he is sure. he is he is as you said he is cold to them you know but like the shit about not packing his own suitcase like that's kind of fucked up yeah you know or the whole like the whole talk of like this weekend is your life like if any weekend if my and again Maybe this is why I'm single. Mm-hmm. But if I had a wife and she was like, if you don't come on this trip this weekend, we're done. I don't deal very well with ultimatums, mm-hmm. David. I, I, I had a I had a huge I had a huge and see Haley Atwell plays the wife, Evelyn. Sure. Um, and I hate describing her like that, the wife, because you know, obviously she's more than that. But literally all we know about her is that she's pissed off at Robin for working so hard. She's pissed off at him for wanting to send their daughter to boarding school as if she doesn't have a a say in it. And she one part particularly that I thought was interesting is when they are in the cottage in the country and she does go tell her daughter to go play like her daughter's like, I don't know how to play. And I was like, hey, really? Really? This kid doesn't know how to play at all? Really? And B, the the wife, Evelyn, can't come up with anything on her own. She has to use examples of what Christopher Robin did. Do what your father did. Go play out in the woods. Like, the wife didn't ever play. Like, the wife didn't ever have things to do. She has no agency in this film. She exists to be pissed off at Christopher Robin and then forgive Christopher Robin and tell him he's all okay. Like, it's just, a, it's a really thinly written character for an actress that I really love. Yeah. Um, that just drove me crazy, man. It just drove me crazy. And again, going back to them wandering, like them wandering around in the, like literally, what, 15, 20 minutes? Once they get to 100 Acre Wood, they're, it's just 
it's just goddamn Christopher Robin and Pooh wandering around this gray, <laughs> misty forest, and Pooh is spouting off his Poohisms, and Christopher Robin's like, like you don't know what you're talking about, you idiot. And it's not. I mean, I guess the biggest thing that I had an issue with this film is that there is so much to it that is not fun. It's not enjoyable to watch. It wasn't fun to watch. It wasn't introspective or anything like that. Like, I didn't find myself questioning the goddamn universe over it. Like, it's just, it was an adult who went through some harrowing stuff, being crappy to his beautiful, loyal, friendly, talking bear. And, and that's insane to me. Like, imagine if it's, you know, to, to, to my parents, I'm going to speak directly to my parents on this one. Um, imagine if their dog, Ted, this little, little white Shih Tzu is the, 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 literally the most adorable dog on the planet could talk to you. And you were just like, Ted, fuck off. Like, I can't imagine that. I just, I couldn't relate to it at all. And see, that's the thing, David, is I think the biggest difference between you and me is it elicited very little emotional reaction out of you, and it elicited a very opposite of what I expected emotional reaction out of me. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else about that movie. Again, going back, like, I love I loved the London chase. I thought all of the gags where the animals were real and they were interacting with, like, real people, I thought that was really fun. Um, but it just wasn't enough to save the movie, you know? It's just, I mean... Yeah, it's it feels like a movie that's too glum and joyless for kids and really is just like a minefield of guilt bombs for adults. Uh, that's the way I felt about it. So got anything else to say? No, I think we've beat this horse dead. Eh, I, it's just I'm just I'm disappointed. I'm upset. I need to go. I need to go have a lap. I'm going to go have a I'm going to go have a Coke and a smile or something like that. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to end this. Uh, I guess that's going to do it. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited for the next Disney film, but man, this one was a big miss for me. Just a big, big miss for the both of us. So again, before we wrap up, as always, do us a favor, wherever you listen to this podcast, subscribe, give us a rating, uh, write us a review, like us, share us, grow the popcorn diet community. If you love this movie, great. I want to hear about it. Like I want to hear people defend their love for this movie too. Um, I, I, we don't sit here and pretend to be the final opinion on movies. Like there is absolute valid. I'm sure there is absolute valid explanations for why people enjoy this movie and we're happy to hear it. So share it with us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter at the popcorn diet. And last but certainly not least, our official website, popcorndietpodcast.com, where you can find all of our episodes, all of our reviews, and all of our articles. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next week with a movie that I can't imagine we're too excited to see, a little movie about Jason Statham taking on a gigantic prehistoric shark called the Meg. So you mean the anti-poo? Oh my God, this movie's, I'm, I'm already excited. I'm back, David. I'm happy again. We're going to do the Meg next week and I'm jacked. And we're going to talk about it next week on a popcorn diet. Adios.